behind the curtain of Australia's billion-dollar media and entertainment industry. That's entertainment. The personalities. So Lisa has not slept, and neither has Carl. What do we even need producers for? The politics. The Murdoch uh, print media platforms no longer provide anything approaching balance to news reporting. The pressures. I'm not sure that people are aware of the impact it has. Unfiltered unedited and uncut. Oh, I didn't even realise we were starting. <laughs> Buckle in for a hot take on the week's biggest headlines and insider scoops. He spent 37 years with the record label but was fired in June. That's Entertainment with Jake and Viv. Starts now. Probably one of the best shows ever. We are mere days into 2022, yet we're often racing. Judge Kelly, as I understand you'd like to be referred to now, uh, I'm so glad you paid your power bill and you're able to join us. Late as usual. Hello. Hello. I am indeed 43 minutes late to this recording. Uh, I just... Noticed mm-hmm. that my power was off and I'm hopeless at paying bills. So I convinced myself I'd been cut off. Uh, turns out it wasn't a, an exclusive uh, Vivian Kelly power outage. It was just out across the Bondi and Tamarama region of Sydney, perhaps in an attempt to just keep us all in our homes, not doing anything uh, and stop stop spreading the Rona everywhere. But I'm here 43 minutes late. I have power Every device in the world is beeping at me and asking me to reset its clock and going bananas, but we're here. Viv proudly, quite proudly actually, claims to live in the the very privileged eastern suburbs uh, of (laughs) Sydney, but is without power so often, it seems, that it's given way to some conspiracy theories as to your real location, which I suspect might actually be a, I don't know, maybe a small island off Thailand somewhere. Surely the influential and the influencers in the 2026 and surround postcodes wouldn't be left with LR without electricity, Viv. Look, I would love to be on an island off Thailand somewhere, uh, well away from the current shit fit that is Sydney and the unfolding COVID situation. But I am indeed trapped here. I feel like I'll be trapped here forever. And look, the occasional power outage is a small price to pay to to live in the best suburb in the country. There, I said it. Okay, we've got some good stories today. Uh, Shall we get this podcast moving then? Let's do it. Today on That's Entertainment, will ARN rebrand its Brisbane and Adelaide stations to kiss? Is TENS The Bachelor franchise ready for an extended stay in isolation? And will Seven find success with the revival of Australian Idol in 2022? Plus, in this week's Hot Take, after music's Me Too Reckoning, is Radio Next... Let's begin with Australian Radio Network, now of course known as ARN, and particularly its KISS Network, as you and I were starting to formulate some predictions uh, for this episode of That's Entertainment, we started to think about the possibility of what uh, ARN might do with 973 in Brisbane and Mix in Adelaide. Uh, We know in Brisbane, of course, uh, Kip from uh, Nova previously has joined the breakfast lineup. We know uh, over in Adelaide that it's about to have a shake-up in breakfast as well, which gives way to the idea that it could be time to, I guess... uh, shake the tree a little bit more than just put in a new breakfast show and give it a new name and really extend that national network in the same way that, say, Nova has. Uh, it's already starting to sort of come to fruition as we record this podcast on Tuesday afternoon. Yeah, when ARN announced that Kip 
Whiteman was joining the breakfast show alongside Robin and Terry to replace uh, Bob Gallagher. They weren't just referring to that Brisbane station as 97.3 anymore. Uh, They also had the word KISS in there. And whilst 97.3 has been aligned with the KISS branding for a while and the KISS style, it hasn't actually been called KISS. So that was a pretty telling sign that they're beginning that national rollout because I think if you're going to bring Brisbane into the fold, why would you then have an outlier of Mix 102.3 in Adelaide, which also has the KISS branding and the lips but a different name? They might face some challenges though because with Brisbane at least they've been able to still refer to the station as 97.3 because that's its frequency and its name. If they do it in Adelaide, they will have to drop the word mix and that's the Heritage Radio brand. And so there could be some blowback, particularly as that station deals with the ongoing knock-on effects of the sudden departure of former Breakfast co-host Jodie Oddy and now Mark Soderstrom's gone as well. Great time to roll out a full-on rebrand if you've got a new breakfast show and a new approach, but I think it will cause problems for some of the station's loyalists. There is an argument both for and against the idea of extending the KISS network and its branding into both of these markets. Of course, historically, we've seen other networks uh, try and fail uh, and others sometimes succeed uh, in terms of doing this. Is this a case of the salespeople getting involved and wanting a, a, a pure national network and brand to take to market, or is this really about the audience? I wouldn't say it's about the audience, no, because I don't think there are people sitting around in Adelaide saying, gosh, I wish that we could refer to a station as KISS. I just think every everyday consumers either like your content or they don't. A rebrand can be great for bringing in new listeners because it is accompanied by a massive marketing push and sort of reminding consumers what your station is all about and what your station stands for. I think it just makes it easier in terms of content rollout and syndicated programming. Kate, Tim and Joel, for example, on the Nova Drive show only sort of have to talk about Nova. There's no brand confusion. It's not going into different markets where it's called Mix or it's called 97.3. It's just Nova. Having the KISS network across more of those cities will help for syndicated programs like summer breakfast and shows in the evening and any time they may want to syndicate and roll out nationally any other big programs. And there is quite a lot of syndicated uh, content across the KISS network. There's the new announcement which we spoke about in last week's episode which is now being confirmed around Mitch Churi doing a national night show uh, on the KISS network. I think previously he was uh, just broadcasting uh, from Sydney but also uh, into KISS Melbourne as well uh, and that's going up against Abby Chat. Chatfield, who began uh, her show on the Hit Network nights, uh, Hot Nights with Abby Chatfield, uh, this week as well. Uh, there's the 3pm pickup, of course. Uh, there's Drive with Will and Woody, uh, and then some Hours of Powers, including uh, the successful one with Kyle and Jackie O. So it does kind of make sense from a network perspective, I suppose. Uh, Mix in Adelaide is a heritage brand at this point. I mean, it's such a a strong performer in the market and also for ARN. Uh, What do you think they'll do on breakfast? Actually, I can make my first prediction if you like. I would love that. It's just a prediction. 
uh, I think Dylan Lewis, previously uh, from Nova, might return to radio in Adelaide, potentially join uh, Aaron there at Mix. He recently announced that he was stepping away from his slot on Double J. with the ABC, uh, which gives way to what he might be doing next. He's currently on I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, which would be a great platform from which to uh, resurrect a commercial radio career. Nobody goes on I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here for no reason. I understand there's money on the line in terms of charities and it's fantastic uh, some of the charities that the celebrities align themselves with and promote and get money for. But there are some pretty horrific and horrendous challenges involved. You really are putting your body uh, on the line in that show. And I think the reason that you can justify that aside from the charitable implications is also if you're going to launch something or rebrand yourself or have something coming up. So I hadn't even made the connection about I'm a Celebrity, but it absolutely makes sense. Last year's winner is uh, Abby Chatfield and look at her now. She's got a national radio show on the hit network. So it's definitely a fantastic platform to remind people who you are, get to have some honest chats, get to get your own personal brand out there. It would be a very good launch pad if Dylan was looking to get back in the spotlight. Just looking at the notes you've sent me for today's episode, uh, speaking of the KISS Network, which says, KISS Melbourne Breakfast, question mark, sources. <laughs> I am nothing if not vague. Uh, love that. Yeah, so <laughs> I have seen on uh, Byron Cook's Instagram, uh, Byron Cook, formerly of Fifi Fev and Byron Fame, on the Hit Network's Fox program, uh, breakfast program in Melbourne. He's sort of been hinting that he's coming back to radio this year. Uh, We are recording this on Tuesday afternoon. My understanding is by the time this podcast comes out, we will know for sure what Byron's next move is in terms of radio. The only gap I can see for someone of his sort of qualifications and, you know, with his radio legacy is to join uh, Kiss Breakfast in Melbourne because it's my understanding that Jace Hawkins is taking some time off for his family with the birth of his next child. So at first I sort of couldn't work out how Byron would fit if he was to join Jace and Lauren because both Jace and Byron are anchors. They're both button pushers. I couldn't quite see how that that would work with the two of them in there, but I suspect that he is going to be Jace for a while. It's going to be the Byron and Lauren show, I guess. Now, this is, of course, the same Byron Cook that after leaving Melbourne Breakfast Radio on Fox, as you say, last year, around September, uh, announced that he was entering politics uh, and hopefully running for a a Senate seat in federal parliament. Uh, I'm guessing that didn't play out too well. I am going into politics. I have joined a sensible centre party. I will stand for election in the Senate and my goal is to win a federal Senate seat from Victoria and to be a voice for the sensible centre. That is off the cards <laughs> now. Uh, he was going to run <laughs> run for a uh, seat with uh, the, the sensible centre party, which I think was appealing to people on the basis that we're just everyday people who want to get into politics because 
politics is too divisive. There's career politicians. They're not representing what everyday people, such as Byron Cook, really want. People who aren't hard left, aren't hard right, just want sensible, centrist decisions. That all sounds very great, very believable if you look at that on the surface level. I think when you read some of their policies, it really was quite a divisive party. There was some really problematic stuff in there. Byron did respond to a lot of that backlash and say, you know, I don't have to agree with every policy that a party stands for. You're never going to find the perfect party, but you do need the backing of a big organisation to propel you into politics. That big organisation that was going to propel him into politics uh, no longer exists. The party, the Sensible Centre Party, has been deregistered. So he uh, doesn't have that backing anymore and he won't be running for politics, which I guess opens him back up Sounds like a sensible decision. Uh, before we move on, any predictions from you in terms of radio? We've got your speculation, but any any predictions? Can't my speculation... Anything I can pull out at the end of the year? <laughs> Can't my speculation be the prediction? I think I've been bloody bang on this year. I had the Abby Chatfield on the Hit Network news. I had the Mitch Churi taking over uh, the Kiss Network nights. I reckon I'm going to be bang on with Byron Cook joining uh, Kiss <laughs> Breakfast in Melbourne. I mean, what what more do you want from me? How, how much of an oracle can I be in such a short space of time? I want you to stop cheating. <laughs> I'm not. How dare you? I'm not cheating. I just have very, very good instincts. Mm. Right. Up next on That's Entertainment is 10's The Bachelor franchise ready for an extended stay in isolation. Let's talk about The Bachelor, which admittedly I stopped watching at least four, maybe even five seasons ago. I did really enjoy that show for a long time, but I I do feel that the casting got very vanilla, and I personally wonder whether it would be better on Nine, uh, who have a history of more colourful casting. Do you mean uh, more dramatic casting? Would you prefer to see The Bachelor and Bachelorette with people throwing wine in each other's faces and and screaming at each other a la Married at First Sight? Yeah, I want sex, drama, drugs and rock and roll. That's what I want from The Bachelor. (laughs) That absolutely won't happen on Channel 10 because they are very much uh, positioning themselves as the safe network, the the diverse network, the one which is moving forward and not chasing those tabloid headlines and platforming problematic people at their upfronts last year. They were very, very clear that they are going to represent more of Australia. They are going to stop just casting white blonde people. They really, really were pushing that angle as their point of difference. I think uh, having diversity is a key uh, driver for casting of The Bachelor is a great idea. And I think a lot of these topics that you just touched on can be discussed on The Bachelor as well. It can be a part of the of the narrative uh, of the story thread, a story arc, I guess, throughout the show. Uh, do you think it'd be better on Nine or do you think it's better where it is or do you think it's best put to bed? I think the show just might need a bit of a break. If you Google Bachelor finale ratings and Bachelorette finale ratings – All that comes up is negative headlines. The Bachelor Australia has the lowest finale ratings in history. Why The Bachelor wasn't a ratings hit for Channel 10. All of these things and all of these hot takes on the lowest ever, the lowest in history and and doing comparisons of its gradual decline. I just think that people have perhaps 
tired of it. I don't see the audience getting as invested in the love story. It's not generating as much noise on social media because it's probably being drowned out by the likes of Married at First Sight. The passion from the audience doesn't seem to be there as much at the moment and that's not necessarily even the people who are fronting the franchise's fault. I think we're just a bit bored of it. I mean, it was a national scandal in years gone by when a bachelor or bachelorette picked somebody that the public disagreed with. You know, there'd be huge, huge moments and water cooler moments in workplaces about it and it just doesn't have that same hold over people anymore. It absolutely could, but I just think something needs to give, something needs to change. I remember uh, going to a, it was actually a, mum, a, a umbrella panel uh, and it had on it some senior executives from TV and some of the big production companies like Shine, for example. Uh, I can't remember who was on the panel, but they spoke about uh, the themes and uh, of TV shows and, you know, romance became a big thing. Before that, cooking was a big thing. The cream rises to the top. The strong franchises stay and continue to perform if the casting's right uh, and new sort of trends and ideas uh, come through. Is there is there something new on the horizon for TV, do you think? I think maybe we're a bit over romance. Uh, perhaps we're moving into the, the music stage of reality television, Channel 9, and this is a quote that Channel 7 loves to bring up all the time, Channel 9 uh, didn't get the voice uh, again and Channel 7 picked it up and Channel 9 released this quite sassy quote about, you know, we wish 7 luck uh, with another recycled program, sort of having a dig at Channel 7 and its CEO, James Warburton, for not being particularly innovative in their programming and instead picking up uh, Channel 9's rejects. Channel 7 now loves that quote, loves to remind people because The Voice had a really, really fantastic strong year last year as it was revived uh, on Channel 7. So 7 also has Australian Idol coming up this year. That's a program that has been rested for a very long time. Feels like a lifetime ago that we saw Guy Sebastian walk into his audition in front of Mark Holden, Dicko and Marsha Hines. The world has changed a lot since then, though, and I wonder how that show will go now that we don't all have to ask our parents' permission to use the landline to be charged 55 cents <laughs> to vote for Ricky Lee Coulter and then you do it a bit too many times and Dad gets the phone bill and then the shit hits the fan. Very different time. So I'm not sure how it will play out and what the appetite and the response will be. Yeah, props to Seven for uh, The Voice Australia. They did a remarkable job with it and were uh, really rewarded in the ratings. Uh, I'm eager for the return of Australian Idol, uh, which of course used to be on the 10 Network back in the day. I remember all those stories that would hit the hit the papers uh, after the finale of uh, parents having absolute meltdowns over those telephone bills. Uh, I'm sure with technology uh, that will change, although it did make them a lot of money back in the day. Oh, goodness me, 55 cents. What an absolute outrage that you were charged that much. And you didn't sort of realise the... I, I was bad at mental math, so I certainly didn't realise just how many times dialing that, whatever it was, 199, I think there were some fives in there, dialing away again, 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 and just clicking redial. And then suddenly that phone bill comes, absolute disaster. So I can see how it would be a money, money spinner for them. 
Other than pop stars, uh, which gave rise to, of course, Bardo, I think Jackie O was a judge on that, and I also think it was on Seven, Idol really was the beginning of reality music television's, you know, prime time with those big main stage uh, events uh, and live finales. Uh, My expectation... My expectations are high for this season of Australian Idol. I think it's, it's been enough time between drinks uh, for it to feel fresh again. And I think given what they've done with uh, The Voice Australia, I'm excited to see where they take it this year when it uh, eventually returns. I also think there's plenty of great talent that hasn't wanted to do The X Factor um, or The Voice Australia or Australia's Got Talent that might see you know be excited by Australian Idol. It's launched so many careers, so many people, and you didn't necessarily have to win it to end up with a career out of that show. It was such a huge launch pad for so many people and people who've had long-term careers. Other winners of shows might, such as The Voice, might win, but then you don't hear from them as much. People who won Australian Idol, you know, more than a decade ago are are still going, are still some of the country's best music exports. So I can see people who really, really want to make something long-term out of the music industry using this program because they would have grown up seeing that show or they might even be younger than that and not having grown up with it, but they would look at the likes of Guy Sebastian, Casey Donovan, Jessica Malboy, all these people still floating around out there and think, wow, that... That could be me uh, in 10 years, 20 years' time. So if it can repeat that level of success of careers and superstars, then I think absolutely it will go really well. The beautiful thing about the Australian Idol format was its focus on the talent. It was less about the judges, who were also, uh, particularly in the early days, much less well-known, certainly much less well-known than they are now. It'll be really interesting to see who they put on the judging panel for that. I believe they approached... Kyle Sanderlands, but wouldn't it be great to see a bit of a reunion? With Marsha Hines, Ian Dicko Dixon and Mark Holden. (laughs) Maybe not Mark Holden, in fairness, but I think Dicko would be fantastic. Uh, I think it'd be great to see Marsha come back. Fresh faces are always good too, though, but I love that they weren't huge big names as we've seen on the other sort of Simon Cowell formats. I think I would feel really nostalgic for that and would love uh, to see them on the show. But I think it would be better to launch new versions of those people. Uh, there would, you know, Dicko was somebody who worked in record labels, but also obviously had a great voice and a great sass for television. I'm sure there's people in record labels now floating around like that who would be just fantastic, who could launch their multimedia career and put more of a spotlight on the record label industry. There are other people I think that could fulfil that and I just don't know that, you know, we need to give uh, Kyle more exposure. It would be great to give someone who doesn't quite have the platform and profile of Kyle to turn them into the next Kyle Sanderlands rather than recycling the same people we had, uh, you know, 20 years ago. I wonder if Pell or anyone at Sevens put a call into Dan Rosen. Well, I guess uh, I guess we'll find out. I'm really excited to see. I think the hosts will be really key and so will the judges because so much of the spotlight of these shows now ends up being about them so they really need to make some clever and careful decisions okay up next on that's entertainment our hot take of the week 
Okay, let's dive into the hot take of the week. So after Music's Me Too reckoning in 2022, is radio next? Now this is something that you and I have discussed uh, both on our last podcast and even this podcast actually. Uh, It seems to be a long time coming. Other sectors have had it, not just the music industry. We've seen uh, instances in, and moments in TV, uh, even in print, uh, magazines, all over the place. But we haven't seen anything substantial in radio yet. We know the stories are there. Uh, we know people are trying to tell those stories. Is this the year? There is one story in particular that we went through a stage last year where every week we were promised it's coming out get ready, it's going to be massive. Uh, The downfall of a very key executive with multiple people both on and off the record talking about this person's alleged behaviour and it just never happened. I heard rumours about lawyers, I heard rumours about the story being completely shut down and lawyers high-fiving in this particular radio network's office and then it would be back and we'd hear it's definitely coming, it's definitely happening The longer it drags on, the longer we go without this story being told, the more and more I think that it might might not happen because if not now, when? It just, it feels like it's been really, really slow. Everybody knows the whispers are becoming louder as I've spoken about before, but it's still not really had a moment where the stories are told properly out loud and without fear. You know, these are incredibly difficult stories to put together and we've discussed at length the process uh, of what goes into these from a a journalist and an editor's uh, perspective. Uh, Firstly, you need a number of really brave sources to be comfortable enough to talk to you about their experiences uh, and ideally go on the record uh, in order to ensure the story is watertight. And, of course, those you know, allegations or whatever pop up uh, during that process have to be fact-checked and have to be really substantiated. Uh, and during that process, which can be an incredibly difficult one, not just for the emotional toll that it takes on the journalist, but most importantly, the victims in all of this, uh, and a lot of them get cold feet, Uh, and pull out of that process uh, for fear of retribution, whether that's losing their job, if they're still in the industry, uh, or whatever it might be. There's plenty of very reasonable uh, reasons, I suppose, as to why they might. Or perhaps uh, someone's come to them with a settlement offer to keep them quiet. I mean, there's a lot that goes on behind these scenes in putting these sorts of stories together is the point. Absolutely. And victims could totally be forgiven for taking that money and running because you don't necessarily want your entire life story and legacy to be defined by the time you spoke out against somebody. It has very real world implications for the people who are willing to put their names to these stories and then it can follow you around. And so often the reason that people take this money isn't because they want to actively help shut down this story and actively help protect the perpetrator and allow them to continue uh, and be complicit in that silence. They just want to move on. And if they can get some money from it to help them do that, to make them feel like there has been some consequence, then I totally sympathise with why you would take that money and just make it go away. These things are very drawn out. If they go legal, they're hugely, hugely emotionally draining. 
And I think that's just part of the problem is that people can be bought off, uh, bought into silence because they know the consequences of speaking out. Having a voice has a cost and it's incredibly disproportionate and incredibly unfair and the powerful and the predators prey on that and rely on that to continue their behaviour and continuing to perpetuate the silence. We also have incredibly archaic defamation laws in this country, especially when compared to uh, other markets around the world, which also adds another layer of frustration and just generally complexity to these stories. Absolutely. And you only have to look at the music industry uh, in terms of what can happen. Just because something is true doesn't always protect you uh, in terms of defamation a lot of people think oh well if it's true it's fine and I'm protected but unfortunately it just doesn't always play out like that sometimes things are true but you can still damage somebody's reputation and the way that our laws work here just they seem to protect the rich and the powerful they seem to be designed for that rather than for things that are blatantly untrue and you know therefore have damaged somebody's reputation and then they should be able to protect themselves so often people who don't have power are defamed in the media but they don't have the resources to chase you down and get what should rightfully be theirs the rich and powerful who do have the resources end up being both perpetrators and getting the payouts it's incredibly unfair it's incredibly archaic and as we spoke about in last week's uh, podcast when lawyers get involved it it changes the stories that are told and it, it changes the nuance we've already seen as we spoke about last week Channel 10's The Project issuing an apology to former Sony CEO Dennis Hanlon about their report on him that seems like a semantics apology in terms of what they were reporting versus what might be implied versus what Dennis actually did versus what it implied he did And then you start getting these apologies and these funnily worded things where everyday people now don't know, like what what did happen with Dennis Hanlon? Why is Channel 10 apologising? Was Channel 10 completely wrong in all of their reporting? It just makes the waters so murky uh, when there are such strong allegations and then when you've got people getting lawyers involved and media outlets apologising. So a lot of people just want to avoid that altogether. Speaking of Sony Music, they're still without a CEO following the departure of Dennis Hanlon last year uh, from the top job uh, over there. Do you think we'll see a CEO announced this year or perhaps uh, perhaps Sony HQ in New York have just decided, oh, it's cheaper without one, less headaches, I think we'll just get the exec team to report to us? Surely it's a safe prediction for us on That's Entertainment to say there will be a new Sony Music Australia CEO in 2022. Surely. I mean, I know I've lost all sense of time and space with lockdowns and having COVID and and the world being in the state that it is and Novak leaving the country. It's completely (laughs) uh, addled my brain. But didn't Dennis leave like mid last year? and there's just still no no word. I just I know they've got to do an extensive search and appoint someone who can really turn uh, the ship around in terms of its culture. But goodness me, it just feels like a bizarrely long time to not have a leader and to be so quiet when everybody is talking about your cultural and your leadership problems and the legacy, good or bad, of Dennis Hanlon. 
to not then be turning the narrative around by pointing out, well, we've got a new direction and, and here's the leader of that new direction. I spoke to four, actually perhaps five people at Sony Music uh, in Australia yesterday. Uh, I asked them if there was any update on a CEO. All of them said, absolutely not. We've heard nothing about the idea of having a new CEO. Uh, well, that's great. Uh, but they all seem really happy. <laughs> I mean, everybody loves not having a boss, don't they? I mean, why wouldn't, yeah. why wouldn't they be happy? But I think in terms of the, the narrative of Sony Music Australia, We've always said there are so many fantastic people working there doing so much fantastic work and I think that's just been really overshadowed by this horror year for them in terms of the headlines and and what former employees have gone through. It would be really, really refreshing just to see it uh, align itself with those happy employees, with those hardworking employees and have a great story to tell in 2022. Now, there's one story that we, we've just run out of time because I've, I've learned that a lot of people run to this podcast, as in not run away from it, but listen to it while they're running. Uh, and they like us to keep it at around 30 minutes. We're edging closer to 40 at this point. I, I really wanted to talk about Rob Stringer uh, and his big uh, $20,000 a month retainer, Rob Stringer being the global chief of uh, Sony Music, uh, paying a, a PR company to, uh, what was he lobbying for his, um, what do you call it? Not knighthood. Was it knighthood? MBA. Oh, I mean, firstly, we need to unpack the fact that people run listening to this. That's outrageous. <laughs> uh, if you are yeah. running and listening to this, you are ridiculous. Uh, what yeah, go a- faster. <laughs> Also, I think we we should draw it out because I think they should be aiming to run for longer. I think gradually we should be like a running program, you know, couch to 5K where each week we gradually increase how long we talk for. Before we know it, we've got an audience of super fans who are also marathon runners. Wouldn't that wouldn't that be great? That would be a great <laughs> legacy to have run further, run faster because we can't stop prattling on but yes the Rob Stringer thing is just highly highly embarrassing uh I think it shows how much awards and honors and whatnot have been politicized have turned into publicity machines we're not really necessarily recognizing the right people we're recognizing the already rich and powerful who are getting their other rich and powerful mates to lobby for them so they can tell their other rich and powerful mates how special and important they are and goodness me it's it's really just embarrassing I think rich people in general are just really embarrassing all of that from the 2026 postcode (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think we should wrap this podcast right here before we get in any further hot water uh what's what's coming up what are we gonna do next week what's on the agenda why would you ask me that when you know I don't know the answer Uh, I can't even show up to this podcast on time or have electricity or have anything working. Why would I possibly know what we're going to do next week? All I can say is we will break some big stories and keep our super fans out there running. Thank you. See you next week. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate and review this episode on your favourite podcast app. If you have a news tip for next week's show, email us tips at thatsentertainment.com.au.